Skull Rock Podcast is brought to you by the generosity of the following companies. Sure, sound extraordinary. To podcasters, recording musicians, and streamers who are looking for studio quality audio at home or on the road, the Sure MV7 Podcast Kit is a premium all-in-one solution inspired by the legendary Shure SM7B and is designed to address the versatility required by modern creators. For more on the Shure MV7 podcast kit, visit shure.com, S-H-U-R-E.com, or click the link in our show notes. Shure, sound extraordinary. And by The Old Mill Press, publishing beautifully crafted books that illuminate our world. To learn more, visit theoldmillpress.com. And by listeners like you. Podcast talking all things Disney with your hosts L. John Go and Dave Bossert. Welcome to Skull Rock Podcast, the show about all things Disney and pop culture. Every week, we take you behind the scenes of some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, as well as what's streaming, what's in theaters, and what's going on in the multiverse of entertainment. I'm Al John Go, musician and longtime Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and pop culturist. And you can email me, Aljon, A-L-J-O-N, at SkullRockPodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard, artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can email me at dave at skullrockpodcast.com uh al john uh we got a great show uh we've got part two of the dave spafford interview and uh i gotta i gotta say uh it's gonna be really good (laughs) i can't wait uh last week dave just shared so much of his entry into the world of animation and isn't it funny though when you when you're passionate about something at such an early age you say you'll do anything to get into this business i'll even sweep the floors and clean the toilets being a janitor and all this and this is completely true oh absolutely and and, you know so many people had gotten into disney animation through the mailroom uh, yeah. Like Dave did, you yeah. know, the traffic department, the traffic. as they called it. And uh, and that's true, uh, I think, in a lot of different businesses uh, out there. Uh, you always hear that with uh, a lot of these like William Morris agencies and, you know, talent agencies where where the agents had started out in the mailroom and worked their ways. They were little worked their way up (laughs) (laughs) this is true and and so this is it's very inspiring for me because uh, i understand and and can relate and i'm sure a lot of our listeners did too um but other than that dave in the the wake of your uh hurricane as you called it uh everything cool out there on your side of the woods yeah you know uh we we really uh in in our general area uh we um made it through fairly well unscathed uh it was just you know we had a lot of rain um the wind didn't really hit us uh where i live okay. uh there was a couple parts of los angeles that you know had some flash floods and mudslides and things like that but it was uh you know all in all it could have been a lot worse and it wasn't yeah thank goodness thank goodness well uh as we left last week's show once again our hearts go out to everyone there in maui uh once again um 
I know that there's places you can donate, like to the American Red Cross and other other places like that. But we wanted to make sure that uh, people understood our hearts are are with our 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 fellow uh, fellow USA Americans out there that are just uh, suffering right now as a result. So I, you know, hopefully everything will work out uh, sooner than later for everyone. Yeah, but, and uh, and by the way, you know, uh, the folks in Maui are uh, encouraging tourists to come back to the island because um that's their bread and butter that's their lifeblood is tourism and uh and if people don't come uh there's a lot of unemployment and a lot of hardship yeah so you know just putting it out there um you know go to hawaii go visit uh the islands you know lahaina is one town on a big island of Maui, which is very beautiful. And there's a lot of resort areas that are doing just fine. And we're not touched by the fires. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're looking to help out uh, the folks in Maui, you can donate or you can go visit. Right on. Great stuff, Dave. Uh, Now you had a lot of great feedback from last week's show as well, if I'm not mistaken. We did. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, just across the social media platforms, saw a lot of really great comments, a lot of people sending out their love to Dave Spafford, Mm -hmm. uh, and really enjoying, uh, part one of the podcast, uh, interview that we did with Dave. And, uh, you know, I honestly, I, I, I'm going to say Al John, I think this may be an unprecedented five segment interview holy smokes <laughs> i really do i you know because dave davis has such a varied career he's worked at different studios yes. and he's a great storyteller i love his stories um, yeah and uh you know we're we're gonna get into a lot more with uh part two today i love it we're shining a light on his career and rightfully so he's a great guy uh having said that let's move into what we've been checking out this week Dave, you've been at the theater, you very busy boy. I I really have. You know, uh, during the earthquake, uh, I was in an IMAX theater watching uh, Blue Beetle. Wow. Uh, And, you know, I really anticipated, you know, I had a lot of uh, anticipation to see this movie. Uh, I had a lot of high hopes and it was a meh kind of a movie oh no um you know uh the the synopsis is jamie rias suddenly finds himself in possession of an ancient relic of alien biotechnology called the scarab when the scarab chooses jamie to be its symbiotic host he's bestowed with an incredible suit of armor that cat that that's capable of extraordinary and unprecedented powers forever changing his destiny as he becomes a superhero. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it was an enjoyable film to some degree, but it fell a bit flat for me. Oh. And uh, I have to say they put in to me, I thought some Latino stereotypes that they didn't need to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And 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 I kind of feel like sometimes when they make these sort of movies, they go for the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Uh, and 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 I think that hurt the film. Um, and, and you can tell from the box office, it, it hasn't done you know big dollars. Um, it's it's an okay movie. I wouldn't rush out to see it in a theater. Uh, that that's my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, 
I feel that they injected George Lopez in there. I hadn't seen the film myself, but I understand um, kind of the pandering, I guess. Yeah. If you want to call it that. Um, but especially I, George Lopez, by the way. Yeah. You know, he, he really just, you know, puts the stereotype in your face. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, and you would think if he had an issue with it, he would, he, he, uh, the, the caliber of a name like George Lopez would be able to tone it down or tweak it to some very degree, but maybe he just was like, well, this is, this is the job. This is what they want me to portray. And, and here you go. Yeah. I figured that that's exactly what would happen there. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the lead of the, the movie because he was from Cobra Kai and, um, yeah, we'll see. Well, you know, I think this is the last film, Dave, if I'm not mistaken, from the old regime of Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, and now James Gunn gets to start over with a completely new slate of heroes for his rebirth of the DCEU. Yeah. And, and this is just a continuation of the inconsistency of DC mm-hmm. uh, films, you know, the DC comic heroes. Uh, they're hit and miss. Uh, this one, to me, is not a hit. Uh, and, uh, and it's not a miss either, but, um, I, you know, I didn't think the special effects were, were as great as they could have been. Um, uh, there were, there were some good sequences in the film, uh, without question, but there was also a lot of flat spots. Um, the pacing just, uh, didn't work for me. So there you have it on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Blue Beetle. On Blue Beetle. The next movie I went to see was Barbie. I finally went to see Barbie. Oh, yeah. And and the synopsis is Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the (laughs) colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, (laughs) when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. Um. (laughs) I really liked the first half of this movie. Okay. I thought the first half of this movie was absolutely hysterical. It was fun. It was, you know, laugh out loud. Uh, beautiful, uh, um, beautifully crafted. Uh, I thought the second half of the film, you know, starts to get into the messaging uh, and a little bit of mail bashing. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where they start to lose me in these films. You know, overall, um, I liked the movie. Um, I didn't think it was great. Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Well, Uh, yep. (laughs) The film that I loved this past week, absolutely loved, was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Yeah. After years of being sheltered from the human world, the Turtle Brothers set out to win the hearts of New Yorkers and be accepted as normal teenagers. Their new friend, April O'Neil, helps them take on a mysterious crime syndicate, but they soon get in over their heads when an army of mutants is unleashed upon them. Um, Seth Rogen is one of the producers and writers of this movie. And you may remember he did Sausage Party. Yes. Which to me was hysterical, laugh out loud, sophomoric, crude humor. And I loved every second of it. <laughs> right? Right. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I'm i going to tell you, Al John, I've never been a big Ninja Turtles fan. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I just never got into it, right? Yes. It's not that I didn't like them. I just never got into it. 
I love this movie. Yeah. I I think the animation in this movie is spectacular. The look of this film is spectacular. Uh, It has this gritty handmade art quality, even though it's a CG film, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just loved the art direction. I loved the production design. I loved the writing. It moved along. It was funny as hell. Yeah. And I mean, to the point where there were moments where you laugh out loud in the theater, Al John. I love it. And uh, the voice cast is fantastic. Uh, This film all around is just a great movie. I love it. Forget about animation. It's just a good movie. I love it. Great. So I highly recommend uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles if you're going to go see it. And and I would say see this in a theater because of the look of the film. You want to see this on a big screen. It is spectacular. And there's subtleties in the animation and in the background art that I think you might miss if it goes down to a small screen. Gotcha. You know, and I think you really want to see this on a big screen. So, So go out and see that. Now, on the little screen... Um, I watched a few episodes of a show called Hinterland, uh, which is on Amazon Prime. It's a uh, British, uh, you know, uh, police drama uh, takes place in Wales. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it. I liked it. It's, uh, you know, a little bit more cerebral. Um, mm-hmm. I finished watching uh, Justified City Primeval on Hulu. Okay. Uh, and this was a, uh, eight episode, um, um, what are they calling them? Uh, limited series. series. Yeah. Yeah. Limited series. I wish they'd do more of these. I'll tell you that. Right. Uh, Rayland, uh, is just a great, uh, character and it was a very well done eight episode series justified city primeval on Hulu. I highly recommend it. I watched Osaka. Uh, Osaka. 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 Yeah. Osaka on Disney Plus. Yes. And uh, I liked it, but I would say I didn't like it as much as I liked Andor. And Uh I know a lot of people are comparing it to Andor. Sure. Um, uh, But I liked the fact that they dropped the first two episodes and I did enjoy them. uh, And I want to see more. Good. Good. I saw it too. So I can't wait to tell you about it. So. All right. Nice. Uh, You know, and again, you're the big star Wars fan, so I'm not going to go into all of the stuff, but I did. I did enjoy it, you know, Uh, but not as much as I enjoyed Andor. Understood. Uh, And uh, then I finally, I finished watching the righteous gemstones uh, on max. Uh, And I, I just love this series. Awesome. I just absolutely love this series. Uh, I thought the last few episodes of season three were spectacular. Uh, I don't know if this is the end of the series uh, or if there's going to be a season four. I hope there's more, but uh, it is just a hilarious uh, romp that makes fun out of these mega churches uh, and some of these Christian ministries that are just driven by money. Sure. You know, well, the cast uh, is amazing. So, you know, oh, it's, it's an amazing cast. Danny McBride uh, directed a number of the episodes. I mean, it's just 
it's such a fun show. I highly recommend people check it out. The Righteous Gemstones on uh, Max. I love it. There you have it. That's what I did this week. It's a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff, man. You you uh, plowed through a lot. Uh, for me, I, I did uh, take you up on seeing The Monkey King on Netflix and had the kids watch it. And, uh, you know, they were they were blown away by it. And, you know, you always judge how well an animated feature does in my house if the kids are just transfixed. And they certainly were. And Good. I like the story, the mythology involved in all of that. I just wish that the character arc, and this is me being super nitpicky, that it would have turned around a little bit sooner in the third act and that he could, you know, really get away from his bravado and his, um, you know, get out of himself and learn something from his, his, his assistant because the assistant really is, uh, played really well and surprisingly sounds so much like Moana. I, I had to check to see if it was the same girl that played Moana because her voice was just spot on. But uh, she did an amazing job, great voice acting, great animation, I thought, too. Um, but I'm just b- being very nitpicky, and um, the end was a good – it was interesting as well. But uh, not too shabby, Monkey yeah, King. Yeah, you know, like I said last week, I generally like this movie, but there were moments where I felt it was derivative of other things. They lost me on the song, Dave. They lost me yeah. on the song, and it was – it seemed – a little out of place maybe in the in the tempo and kind of the pacing of the movie and went it went a little long. went a little too long but yeah. i mean that's just me as a viewer right? and and it was reminiscent of aladdin, of aladdin. it certainly they, they was had a, they had an aladdin quality to it yeah they said we need an aladdin moment here well you know with this so uh anyway also saw ahsoka on disney plus um now long time people who follow the filoni verse if you will on the animated series, the Clone Wars and, and Rebels certainly are attached to the character of Ahsoka and the rest of the crew of the Ghost. Um, so Hera, Syndulla, and uh, and Sabine Wren and all those people. Chopper, the droid, which is one of my favorite little droids, uh, Chopper. But I really I can't wait to see what happens here. There's so many moments that are literally... Uh, refrains from other pieces of George Lucas uh, lore, Star Wars lore that they echo in this series. Um, moments that literally, if you were to put them side by side, were literally mirrored opposites. And the whole point of Lucas and Star Wars was it had to be circular and poetic. So a lot of stuff that happened in the first trilogy, in the prequel trilogy, they echoed whether it was characters beat by beat facing opposite ways or their the direction of darth vader and anakin skywalker were were being diametrically opposed to each other was just sheer poetry you have to dig in deeper to see that and i saw it here in ahsoka and i really appreciated it so i really appreciate what what floney's doing and for those of the uninitiated like you dave like you're, you don't have a, a you know a bearing on ahsoka or, or whatever i yeah, think i had no reference i had no reference you have no reference you have yeah. no reference, but I think it's going to be interesting to see the growth and how they weave the backstory of Ahsoka being that off-screen um, last apprentice of Anakin Skywalker and knowing how he fell into the dark side of the Force. I can't wait for them to kind of delve into that for you and for us. Like, yeah. So it's going to be great. I also saw The Pope's Exorcist 
<laughs> and this yeah. this has this, Alan Bernstein in it, right? From, yeah, from the from the original Exorcist. No, it doesn't. But uh, <laughs> no, no, I thought she was in this one. No, uh, okay. no, I think no, I think she, I think she is. Um, She's in something, isn't she? She is not in this one. This one is with Russell Crowe. Oh, okay. And okay. so no, no, the Ellen Bernstein is not in this one. I think you're talking about something else, but okay. um but this is about a true it's based on a true life of Father Gabriel Amworth who was the Pope's exorcist during John Paul II's um time as Pope. And it is a very interesting story based on some interesting things and uh the this approach of the typical exorcist trope uh, the young priest, the old priest, the the girl that's been, or the the young person that's been uh, possessed, uh, are very kind of by the numbers. However, um, Russell Crowe is funny as hell. He is great. I he, um, apparently that he injected some humor um, because apparently the devil hates humor, <laughs> so he put it in there and is very matter of fact. And I think he carries the film very well. If you're a big fan of Russell Crowe, which I am, I think he's wonderful. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. So this is definitely above average in terms of, you know, my rating um, just because of Russell Crowe. He's great in it. Um, you, you know, uh, I was, I, I was mentioning Ellen Bernstein. She's in, she's in the exorcist believer, which is a oh, 2023 movie. That is. And I'm that, going to be that's watching what that. I confused. Her yeah. yeah okay. I will be watching that. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, the Pope's exorcist, definitely a thumbs up. I've been meaning to check it out during the whole uh, past year, but uh, for whatever reason, never got out to, to see it. So um, that is all she wrote for me this week. Dave, uh, if you have anything, uh, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about this, of course, every week we, we delve into this stuff. So let us know if there's something you'd like for us to check out. We'd be loving to uh, review it here in an upcoming episode there of Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast, this week in Disney and pop culture. All right, Dave. AI. Skynet. Uh, helps writers and studios, apparently, but it looks like studios offer writers may lead to AI created scripts that are copyrightable. Dave, what does this mean? You know, uh, last week we talked about the court ruling about uh, you can't copyright anything uh, that's machine created. Uh, you know, there was somebody trying to create a, a copyright, a piece of art that was created by artificial intelligence. Uh, and the copyright office said, no, you can't do that. It has to, it has to be human created. Uh, and so that person uh, went to court and uh, the court sided with the copyright office and said it has to be created by a human being or at least orchestrated by a human being. Uh, and so that, I think, sent a message through the industry, through the, uh, the film and television industry, because now the studios are offering the writers uh, the uh, guarantee that anything that the studio creates using AI, a writer will have to go over. And the reason for that is that if the writer goes and does rewrites and makes corrections and changes stuff, then it becomes a human being going in and shaping that AI created script, if you will. And that makes it copyrightable. 
Okay. So I don't know, you know, this, this is, there's going to be a back and forth going on here, but honestly, Al John, this is like the lawyer who had a brief generated uh, by an AI program and submitted it to the courts. And it, it had listed, uh, you know, or cited cases that didn't exist. It was made up, you know? And so, you know, that lawyer, you know, is going to be punished by the courts for doing that. You're going to hear all kinds of stories going forward about this. There's going to be fights. There's going to be lawsuits. There's going to be court cases and rulings in the near and distant future involving AI and uh, all these issues. So uh, stay tuned. I don't think this stuff is going to get solved anytime soon. If they don't, and by the way, if they don't solve this strike by the end of September, you can you can guarantee nothing's going to happen until after the new year, and uh, and it may become uh, what some predicted, where they have to burn the industry to the ground and rebuild, and that's going to hurt a lot of people. There's a lot of people who are going to lose their houses. There's a lot of businesses who are going to close. There's uh, a lot of people who are going to get laid off. It's going to hurt the economy. In Southern California, I mean, there's the, the ripple effect from all of this is just astounding. And and it's a real shame that they can't seriously get down to brass tacks and work this out. Um, it, it's just disgusting. The ones, anyway, who su- the ones who suffer are the people that are hard at work doing all of the support systems and writing yeah. and, and catering and production and all these people that don't yeah. have that don't have that uh, the golden parachute of billions of dollars to exactly it's horrible anyway um futurama it's streaming chart with hulu revival i love this series i know you do dave it has uh spent six weeks at the overall number one topping the three billion minute mark again rightfully so and and great for matt groaning right Oh, I, you know, I love Futurama. I hope they continue to make Futurama shows just like they're doing with the Simpsons. It's such a great show. Um, the other interesting thing is Suits. Suits, that's right. Uh, Suits is in reruns, one. you know, yeah. it's being discovered by a whole bunch of people and a lot of people are watching it. And the creators of Suits are now looking at potential spinoffs and uh, uh, additional uh, shows associated with the original. People are looking at alternate uh, alternative shows and stuff they missed the first run uh, yeah. because of this lack of content coming out. So there you go. That's it. Chicken uh, Run. Chicken, chicken Run. run. Uh, this is the sequel. It's going to world premiere in 2023 at the London Film Festival. This is this is one animated film sequel that I can't wait to see. Same. I love the original Chicken Run. Same here. I love that stop motion style. I love the the character look of all of this stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. <laughs> what an awesome <laughs> title, man. I know. Oh, it's I love great. it. I can't wait to see it. All right. So we have a big week in terms of passing. A lot of legends pass this week. And uh, let's start off with Hersha Parody. Little House on the Prairie actress dies at 78. Wow, Dave. Yeah, you know, I, I, when I saw this I, and I saw her picture, I was like, wow, I remember her from the Little House on the Prairie television series. She played the school teacher. Yes, indeed. Oh, man, what memories. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan, something I've told you and our listeners yeah. about from growing up. And one of my favorites is Terry Funk. He passed away, the Wrestling Hall of Famer, at the age of 79. And, wow. uh, 
he's one of the all-time greats you know he's a multiple-time champion wrestled for every promotion from the wwe to wcw ecw and was an actor as well um he's been in movies like roadhouse he's been a bunch of different action movies as well uh back in the day so uh rest in peace terry funk what a legend and all-around nice guy and speaking of nice guys uh he played the frightful bray wyatt uh in wwe recently he's a uh, a champion as well and it was just revealed that uh um bray white had passed away at a young age of 36 dave that's crazy that is just crazy so sad when you hear these stories yeah william rotunda that's his real name who per- portrayed the uh bray wyatt character unexpectedly passed away apparently uh he had a heart attack and uh it is said that he had covid as well but um you know, he's been battling that kind of stuff during the pandemic as well, but uh, it's so, so young, so, so young. And he's been in the ring with some of the greats as well. Just a talented act, uh, a talented person gone too soon. Mm. And uh, speaking of someone you may have grown up with, uh, Arlene Sorkin, the voice of the original Harley Quinn and Days of Our Lives actress dies at the age of 67. Um you know, I I believe that she's like the quintessential voice of Harlequin because of uh, all those uh, Batman animated series uh, that she's yeah. portrayed in. And, uh, of course, a lot of people know her from soap operas as well. My gosh, Dave. I mean, uh, once again. She, what a- she, and by the way, she was the wife of Christopher Lloyd. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, My Christopher gosh. Lloyd of, uh, you know, producer, writer and actor. You know, um, you know, back to the future and all that. That's right. Well, on the episode of Days of Our Lives, she actually played Harlequin in a dream sequence. So uh, I remember seeing that on the Internet. You need to check that out because it's her and her uh, when she's got the voice. But what a tremendous actress as well. Mark Hamill, who did so much work as the Joker in the animated series, uh, wrote, devastated to learn we lost a brilliant Arlene Sorkin. Not just a wonderful talent, but truly wonderful person. I'm grateful not only to have worked with her, but also to have been her friend, sending my heartfelt condolences to her family and loved ones. And yeah, uh, and you know, she was only 67. I mean, that's young, super young. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, uh, who lived a hugely large life is come on down. You're on the price is right, Bob Barker, famed game show host, and I will say the greatest of all time, the goat, if you will. Yeah, uh, passes away at the age of 99. Yeah, um, you know, he was only a couple of months shy of his 100th birthday. Unbelievable. In December, you know, yes. and uh, I mean, he had an amazing life. He did a lot uh, for animals. Yes. Um, he was an advocate for uh, dogs and cats. Uh, spay for, and neuter your pets. Yeah, spay and neuter your pets. He always mentioned that at the end of the show. Um, and I, I, you know, look. I, I can't imagine anybody who stayed home sick from work uh, occasionally didn't watch The Price is Right on television, yeah. you know, before all the streaming services came into be, yes. you know, uh, The Price is Right was a daytime staple. Uh, and, um, and and the other thing, too, is Bob Barker's appearance in Happy Gilmore with Adam Sandler. Yes. I mean, that uh, they, they were, you know, there were memes of that sequence going around uh, yesterday and, um, you know, uh, on some of the social media platforms of uh, Bob Barker 
beating the crap out of uh adam sandler i love <laughs> it's it fantastic it so goes against against character which i yeah. love because you know but once once again no one messes with bob barker especially after that moment uh yeah. you know calling him names but he is i think the greatest of all time and when I look back at growing up, I oftentimes growing up would would watch this with my grandparents going, one of these days, grandma and grandpa, we're going to go to The Price is Right and we're going to make it to the showcase showdown. Um, just having those big dreams as a kid, watching such a legend just operate and how cool of a cat he really is, um, but really is the greatest of all time. And I would place him on the Mount Rushmore of game show hosts. And wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Without question. You know, I read I read an obituary on him and uh, he gave Richard Dawson uh, his break into game shows. Yeah. You know, and Richard Dawson went on to to be the uh, the, the long running uh, host of Family Feud. Yes. You know, the original version of it. Yes. I mean, th- those two are great. And, um, you know, I love I love game shows for that reason. I think that's a, it's definitely a entertainment um thing that will continue to go on especially now with drew carey as the host of the price is right but uh man he was around for truth or consequences in the golden days of, of television but you will be missed bob barker 99 years 99 what a years. life what, what a life, life. r.i.p bob you got it all right now here we are number two of our sit-down interview with the man dave spafford uh please sit back and relax and enjoy this interview right here on skull rock podcast Let's do it. Skull Rock Podcast. Interview time. Well, Al John, here we are again. We're back with week two, episode two, with the great uh, legendary, I think he's legendary, animator, Dave Spafford. And uh, Dave, welcome back to the Skull Rock Podcast. Yeah, let's... uh dig into a little more of this yeah you know last last week we we kind of ended with that great story you told about the caricatures you did for milk call uh of milk call uh yeah. and uh and, and so i want to kind of pick up on like you you were working on rescuers uh the next picture you went on to was was peach dragon so i i take it everybody liked your work and you were getting on with with, with folks oh, and working yeah. with john well, pomeroy yeah once i be once I once I came in uh, after working with John on on banjo, um, I was like, as far as an in-betweener goes, I, I, I was doing great. It was like it was, you know, because working with those guys was like you had to have your 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 shit together. You, you, and, were, you had your A game going. Oh, 100 percent, because those guys, they, they were they didn't mess around with anything. They they that's what. Like all they talked about, it, all they were doing was trying to make make something. Yeah, and they didn't do anything else. It's like you know they weren't going to movies. They weren't. These guys were twenty four hours a day working trying to figure out animation, and and it was great. I mean, and so when I came into Disney, I was like, that was the beginning. I was working with John. I had figured out how to work with John that was never going to change unless I moved up the ladder. And then yeah. I would eventually become an animator, I, which was all part of the game. But um, yeah, there was, there was, there was, I never went through any kind of like a review board thing where they're going, Oh, let's see how he's doing. Is he doing right? I was working with John. John was the, 
John was the golden child and, and I'm riding, I was riding right behind him. Yeah. You know, yeah. On the details. And, and, and were you really doing in betweening work or did it really evolve into assistant animation uh, quickly? Oh yeah. No, John would leave me a lot to do. Yeah. And, and I, I made it, my goal was to do a, a rough drawing and to make it look like it was one of his. Yeah. You know, for almost, I I tried to almost make him think, oh, did I do this drawing or did, did you do, did you break this down? You know, it was <laughs> like, I, I loved doing, in fact, I, I used to do this. I used to do a drawing. I would match his everything, everything I could. And then I'd put it underneath the wheel of his uh, his seat in his room and roll the chair over it. <laughs> so that he would he would come back into the room and go, "What the hell?" Thinking, "Did did I do that?" Um, <laughs> and there'd be like a copy of the 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 key extreme that was on the top of his desk, like it had fallen off, and he had rolled over it to go to lunch. And then I would come in holding the original. <laughs> and I, I I got him every time, you know. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, yeah, we ended up uh, after Rescuers. We we did Pete's Dragon. In fact, I was even in Pete's Dragon. Were you really? Were you in like an extra, or do you have a speaking well, part? I I was sitting in my room and working on Pete's Dragon. These guys came in and said, "Hey, can we see your hands? Hold your hands up." And I'm like going, okay. They're going, yeah, yeah, come with us. And I'm thinking, what did I get my fingerprints on that got, that was got <laughs> broke? Or, you know, <laughs> who are these guys? I'm going, what, what, what's this about? And they're going, oh, yeah, they'll tell you. I'm going, and now we're going out of the animation building, walking <laughs> towards the back lot. And I'm going, hey, I, you know, I need to, I need to know what's going on here. I, I don't, what is this? And we go across and there's, I, I think her name was Hazel. She was like the, the, she was head of the costume department. And she, she's holding up this suit and a derby and these shoes. And she goes, oh yeah, here, go see if, try these on. And I'm going, what? She's going, yeah, put these on. And I'm going, yeah, why? Why, why do you want me to put, what is this? And you're going, oh, uh, red buttons, uh, went back to New York uh, last night and they totally forgot to, there's, there's a whole sequence. They forgot to shoot. You're the same size as him. Wow. So they're going to, they're going to use you. And I'm going as a stand in. No, to replace him. Really? Yeah. And it was a scene. It was him going into the, into see the dragon for the first time. And he's really drunk Uh huh. and they're going. So they, they, they put my hair up all underneath this derby hat and you know, and they went, all right, just pretend, pretend like you're drunk and you're going in to meet this dragon. And I'm going, man, I said, I, man, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, how am I going to look like him? They're going, don't worry. It's going to, it's going to work. And I'm just going, man, I don't, I, I'm not an actor. I mean, I was, I was 19 years old. I was like scared to death. <laughs> I mean, I I was scared to death. And I'm holding this lantern. They're going, just kind of shake, you know, which was easy. 
Because <laughs> you're already you're already shaking. So you know, I'm walking, you know, walking into this cave. Cameras on a tr- dolly behind me, and I'm, all I'm thinking is, "What the hell is going on? Look at what the hell am I doing? I am, I am in a movie right now. I, I, it was the craziest thing to ever have in my head. The idea that I was, I am, in, I am. They've put me in a movie. I didn't even have to. I didn't have time to even think about it. And so, and they're going, "Okay, now bend down." And right there in front of you, reach out, hold the lantern up and, and and touch that where that little rock is. Touch, touch the ground right there. That's where the dragon's tail is. And so I go and I, I'm kind of shaking and I touch it. And all of a sudden, because they put wires on the lantern, all of a sudden it wakes the dragon up and he takes it and the lantern flies out of my hand. And these guys just yanked it out, didn't say anything to me, you know, and I'm like going, what? And and then we ended up doing we ended up putting the dragon in there later. And it was like and it all just it worked perfectly. Oh, my. And, and so if I watch Pete's dragon, I'm going to see the back of you, essentially. Yeah, there's a couple of there's a there's like a, a shot or two of the back of me. And all you see is like a look, part of a wig or or a, yeah. a derby hat. And and but the the main part we did was me going up and touching the dragon and 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 then the dragon yanking the yanking the thing out of out of my hands and yeah it was it was it was it was crazy man <laughs> i went i remember going back and i i don't think i'd ever sweated so much in my life it was like oh my god i felt like i felt like i just came back from vietnam or something you know it was like I was so glad to get back in my room. I was like, oh, my God, what the hell was that? You know, that's fantastic. What a great story that is. I mean, that's that that's sort of the most memorable part of Pete's Dragon for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, oh, there was, you know, when I was in traffic, I would I would go into the sound stages and. You know, I was always grabbing everybody's uh, mail runs and, you know, doing them for them, uh, just like gaining points so that every once in a while, if I was on a run, I could run, I could pop into one, watch them film. And when I came out, it it didn't matter if I was late coming back because I'd already done everybody else's run. Yeah, yeah. And my button, my the guy who ran traffic, the guy's name was Mac. He loved me. He thought, it's like, oh, this guy, this this kid loves traffic. No, I just wanted to one be out of the room and checking out the back lot and getting to know everybody. And so I would go into the sound stages and watch them film. And one time I, I'm I'm standing behind the camera and it's Betty Davis. And the director's like, you know, he goes, okay, action. And I'm standing behind the thing. And she turns around and then looks at me and is acting to me. She's like going, you like going into this thing and having all this stuff. And she's directing it right. She's looking right at me. (laughs) And I'm like going, I'm like going, wow, she's, she's using me as someone to focus on. I got, I understood it. Yeah. And then went, all right, cut. All right, let's do, let's, Let's let's do that again. And I'm like going, oh, I, I've, I've already been here for 20 minutes. It's like, I got to get out of here. 
And they're like, and I couldn't leave because I thought I was going to mess her up. If all, no, all of a sudden if I just walked away, it's like, Oh, Hey, where are you going? And I, and I remember going home and calling my mom and going, man, you're not going to believe it. I was just in the, I was just like Betty Davis used me to, to, to act out a scene. And I, and it's in, it's in the film. It's in, I forget what movie. It was. Well, it was it something wicked this way yeah, comes. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. Something wicked this way yeah. comes. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking Betty Davis. I met uh, all kinds of people uh, in when I was in traffic. That, that's so awesome. Filming the they filmed the live action for Pete's Dragon before I got into the animation department. Right. They, that was and it was filmed in the New England set that was yeah, on the back lot next. It was sort of in between the Pollyanna Victorian yeah, community, yeah. You know, street. They built a and, big dock and, with water and everything. Yeah, and the western town. Yeah. It was sort of right between those two, you know. They they yeah. turned the western town into that world. Oh, the, so that was part of it as well. Oh, yeah. They just doctored up the buildings, the wooden yeah. buildings. It was the western town. And then they built, dug a big ditch and filled it full of water and had boats in it. And Yeah, yeah. But and you know and I got to I I got to know um, and oh another cool thing was my 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 boss in traffic said um, hey uh, uh, for the next two weeks uh, you you won't be in traffic you're you're uh, just report to Mickey Rooney's trailer you're going to be his assistant for two weeks so you know if he needs coffee or lunch you you you'll be the one who goes and gets it. And I'm going Mickey Rooney. Holy cow! And now, now was he a nice guy to you? Super nice. Yeah, nice because I, I, and, and I, I, I asked that because I, I had met him later in life, and he was incredibly nice and very gracious. Yeah, and I've heard from so many people. He's just a really nice guy. My job every day was to report to him. He would bring all these flowers, and he'd go, and I would have to, I would go give flowers to Shelly Winters. Mm-hmm. Helen Reddy, all of the women on the film, you know, that's awesome. Like a woman assistant cameraman. I gave flowers to her. He he was super nice. Yeah, super nice. And just sitting there in a chair hanging out with that guy. You know, it was like, wow. What what a, oh, what memory? What memories? That's fantastic. Everything about the beginning of my career in this business was I, I thought it was going to be great forever. Yeah. You know, and then, man, all it took was someone to come in and take Walt Disney's name off of everything and change everything, get rid of everything of the past and, and destroy the animation department. I mean, huh. it's it, who would have thought, you know, I know. I know. It's amazing. But you, after Pete's Dragon, you went on to Small One, which was directed by Don Bluth. Right. Which. And- and did you at that point, did you kind of consider yourself like sort of the Don Bluth crew, like the no, Bluthies? Never. You never did. No, I Don Bluth did not really like me. OK. And why was that? Was it because you were uh, more of an edgy person? No, because Don Bluth was. Is this what you want to do? Do you want to be an animator? Then be an animator. You're going to go off, have girlfriends, be in a band, do all this other stuff. Then why don't you just go do that stuff? Because if you want to be an animator. It was all or nothing. All or nothing. Uh, You can't can't be like that. I put in so much time that if I did not have a girlfriend and I and 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 was not 
and if I hadn't been in a band, I would have lost my mind. Yeah. You know, now being in a band, you know, you're playing in the clubs at 11 o'clock at night. I, I think if I quit at 10 o'clock and rushed over to a, some club with my instrument, you know, that I, I, that I wasn't hurting anything. Yeah. What were you pl- what, what instrument did you play? Drums. Drums. Okay. Yeah, I was. Uh, did you know Kent Holiday? Yeah, I remember Kenny Holiday very Kent well. Kent was my yeah. best friend. I, I, you know, I, I didn't know him super well, but I knew him well enough that we used to chat all the time whenever I ran he's, into him. You know, he's just I, great. I, he was a great I guy. Everything. In, in fact, I, I have I have a 45 of Kent Holiday's. You know, remember one year he did a 45 record? Yeah, uh, uh, it was like a holiday record. You probably played on oh. it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we Kent was Kent was absolutely the best. And uh, he and I there was one because he got put in my room. In fact, I met Kent. I was Randy and I were in our room in a wing. Um, no, B wing. And uh Ed Hansen was bringing Kent around there because they were bringing people in to work on Pete's dragon in between. And, and he heard me talking to somebody and they, someone had said, Oh, so you're going to see Aerosmith this weekend. And I went, yeah, as he was walking by, Ed was walking him by, he popped his head and he goes, Aerosmith, you like Aerosmith? And I went, hell no, I'm going to see Jeff Beck. He's uh, opening. (laughs) And he goes, and Kent just went, oh, now you're talking. And so, and then they walk off. Ed goes, ah, you know what? I'm trying to figure out who, where to put Kent. I'll put him in Dave's room. They seem to have the same, which was same, great. Same musical taste. Yeah. And so Kent got put in my room and we'd worked like throughout the whole week. And it was Friday. And he goes, he goes, hey, what are you, uh, what are you doing tonight? And I said, oh, I don't know. I mean, well, I knew what I was doing. I was going to be driving home because I, 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 I had been trying to get an apartment, but no one would give one to me because they they, they thought I was too young. Wow. Oh, okay. You know, I was nineteen, but I, I looked like fifteen. Okay. So no, no one would rent a an apartment. So I was driving back and forth to Orange County. Wow, that's a commute and a half. It was. It was. And so Kent goes. What are you what are you doing? I said, well, you know, I was going to, you know, drive back to Orange County. And and he goes, he goes, hey, I'm recording tonight. I have a little recording studio at home, uh, some equipment, and I've pre-recorded some stuff. Uh, let's get a pizza and some beer and, you know, and and just hang out. And he goes, if you want, you can crash on the couch. And I went, yeah, I'll do that. And. So he goes, you know, uh, why don't you do the vocals on this? And I'm going, no, I'm not a singer. Never sung ever in my life. Don't know anything about it. He goes, doesn't matter. It's all kind of like, it's almost like talking. Yeah. You know, and I I did a song called The Blue Green Spaceship. So just, just say anything about the blue green spaceship, you know, and so he hits record and he's laying down a guitar track and he's going, you know, and he's like telling me to okay, start, start talking about a blue green spaceship. 
you know, and I'm going, oh, it's blue green spaceship, you know, <laughs> and somehow suffered through this. When we played it back, even though it was crap, it was absolute crap. But it's like, wow, I'm listening to myself in a on a song. Yeah, had a huge effect on me. So we started recording every Friday. Every Friday we would record. Then we ended up renting the, the house that I'm in right now to turn it into a recording studio. Let's split a house. We'll go halves and we'll turn it into a recording. Studio. Now, now you you rented it, but then you you ultimately bought it three years later. I ended up buying it. Yeah. So we were recording all the time. And we would make these cassettes and we'd give them to everybody. Yeah. So we gave one to Henry Selleck. Kent gave one to Henry Selleck. And Henry Selleck said, oh, this stuff is great. This is really crazy. Crazy music. This is you guys. <laughs> and he goes, hey, my, my friends have a, uh, a record company. Do you mind if I give it to them? And we're going, yeah, whatever. They're not going to go for this, <laughs> you know, because it was just stupid, crazy music. And so we, 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 he gives it to these guys and they went, um, this is at mental health records. And they went, uh, yeah, we'd like to do a, a 45 of this. We'll pick the best ones off this thing, off this cassette. And, and, uh, let's put it on a, let's put it on a 45. Wow. And I'm going, what? So we ended up doing that. And then, uh, the brainiacs who were on mental health records um, had said, uh, man, who who's playing drums? And Kent goes, ah, this is Dave. He doesn't know what he's done. He's just, you know. And they went, hey, do you want to do you want to join our band? Now, the brainiacs were a well-known band. In yeah, LA. no, I, I remember the name. Yeah, yeah they, were, they were they were they were big. I'm like, oh, I, you know, I don't know. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, you know, I just, just you're just banging away. I'm just, yeah. And they're going, well, but it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound normal, you know, <laughs> and that's what we want. <laughs> and so the next thing you know, I'm, I'm playing percussion in, in the Brainiacs playing at the whiskey, the star. I mean, I played, we went everywhere. We, we did. I mean, it was crazy. Now, were you getting paid? No, because my deal was I was terrified the idea that they were going to try to talk me out of working at the Disney studio. Right, right. OK. And so I said, look, if this band makes a million dollars, I don't want any of it. It's all that you that this is your guy's life. I'm I'm my my main thing is animation. I'm doing this because you guys asked me to. And, and I do want to do it. It's fun. Yeah. But if it's, it becomes- it, it's an outlet. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, the, the problem with Don Bluth saying it's all or nothing right. is, is that that's the fastest way to burning out as an artist. You exactly. you have to have other outlets for your creativity, exactly. you know? Exactly. So I said, look, but if you guys end up being getting, getting crazy and going to try tours on Europe and stuff, I'm, I'm, you know, and they they're all, they were all then I found out they're all Star Wars rocket builders. OK, hence so they, the name. They all H- had great jobs. Yeah, hence so H- the no, name, no, no. the Brainiacs. Yeah, we go as far as San Francisco. That's as far <laughs> as we go. OK, or we can go in a car. 
Yeah. As far as we go. So I'm going, cool. But you guys keep all the money. But then again, don't ever ask me for money. You know, because they all pitched in and they had, they had, you know, their, the band, which had a company, had to have a rehearsal studio. Right. They did, you know, it was a full on, you know, thing. And I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't want to, be paying money to be in this band right right so i i just said look you guys keep all the money yeah it sounded good to them and and man yeah that what an experience and i owe that all to to kent you know yeah yeah and and and, and, and all the while you're doing that you're, you're working at the disney studios are you still working on banjo the woodpile cat uh yes and then uh and and, and was it after Banjo, the woodpile cat that uh, that that Bluth left. We had just started on Fox and the Hound, Fox right? The Hound. Yeah. And and at that point, the air was really bad because it was the whole rift between the Cal Arts guys and Don Bluth. Right, right. They all thought that Don Bluth had taken the small one away from Eric, which wasn't true. Right. Uh it just wasn't true. And it was a, it was a, it was a decision that, that Don Duckwall and all those guys made Ron Miller. Uh, it went every, all the way up. Every, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, Frank and Ollie, everybody it was, you know, and, but the Cal arts guys looked at it as the Bluth guys took Eric's film away from him. And it wasn't, it wasn't hit. It was, it, you know, he might have wanted to do it, but it would it would have killed him. Yeah, because he he was he was really getting he was really getting old, and so the whole rift between Bluth and Cal Arts really, I I knew that if the, when those guys left, that if I stayed, no matter what I would say to them, how the, I I'm, I'm not a Bluthy, you know Don, yeah. Don Bluth and I do not get along. And you guys never really got along, did you? No, never. But you still worked on a bunch of his projects. I worked on on The Secret of Nim. Dragon's Lair, Space Dragon's Ace, Lair, Space Ace, and American Tale. And then and then I then the strike happened. I ended up going to Japan. And was that where you did the Mighty Orbots? Yeah. Okay. God, it was a I was I was in hell. <laughs> absolute hell. But were you in tokyo yeah did you like tokyo we were, we were in shinjuku which is a suburb old, it's the old old uh, the original tokyo okay um yeah it was did you I, like did you did you like japan and tokyo I, and have a good I experience but 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 the but the, pro, but the project was hell no yeah one they they gave me paper which was like this big. It's like five by seven. And I went, what? What is this? I'm going, uh, no, you hired me to do what I do. Yeah. So I, I had, we, Skip Jones and I, who we, we both. Oh, yeah, over. I remember Skip. Yeah. And uh, we, we both went over and we told them, no, there's no way we're going to work on paper that small. And their paper was top pegs. And we're going, no, we're bottom pegs. And so they had to, they had to, really do a number to 
everybody in the department to just to shoot our animation because it was totally foreign to them. Yeah, this yeah. Huge paper, which would be like a giant, the biggest special effect ever. Okay, let's get the 10-inch paper out. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it was crazy. But uh, I went over there to work on um, Nemo. Okay. Yeah. While I was while the while I was on the plane, uh, Andy Gaskell, who was uh, a Disney animator, yeah, uh, uh, was he was one of the guys that was that was there that was hired right before me. It was Glenn and all all those guys, uh, uh, Randy Cartwright, Ed Gombert, Andy Gaskell, um, um, Randy Cook. And Dale Bear and yeah. John Palmer. Yeah. Those, those were those were the young guys that were hired. I was the la- I was like the last one of of that idea was we got to get a bunch of new, young guys in here. And I was the tail, I was the tail end of that. And then be, be, that, before before the Cal Arts people. Before all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a year or two before. Right, right. Um, and uh yeah and so i ended i ended up when when bluth left did they ask you to go with them i mean was don was don trying to rally a bunch of people to leave as a as a block and i really I, i really struggled with it i'm thinking well if i stay here what's going to be left it's going to be only cal arts guys so my moving up the ladder will come to a dead halt. Yeah. If I go and work with Bluth. You work, well, you're working with somebody who doesn't like you. Yeah, but everybody else liked me. Yeah. It was just Don. Um, the idea of what was the most difficult was leaving the atmosphere of this fantastic studio with the desks and the rooms and the back lot and everything to go what in some crappy building with a bunch of plywood desks and, yeah. you know, and then maybe fail. And then, and then now what, you know, or fail or, fa- or fail multiple times. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And so when, when, when that all, when the strike happened, I ended up going to Japan. I then, that was that separated me from Bluth. I, I now it's like, all right, there is a world outside of Disney and Bluth. And it was kind of scary because I didn't I wasn't interested in any of it. The, the Japanese animation uh, Tokyo movie Shinsho is what we where I worked. And the, the, that was, was the a, the anime style. Yeah. And it just wasn't my thing. Um, I love Japan. Everything about Japan was great. Um and then I got a call from Gary Goldman, uh, Don's part, one of Don's partners. Yeah. And and, um, and he's going, hey, we need you. We are doing a film with Spielberg called American Tale, and we need you. Yeah. Um, and I'm like going, ah, you know what I said? I can't do it. You know, Don doesn't Don doesn't like me. I don't like him. You know, it's like. I, I said, there's too much, too much. <clears throat> and he goes, look, 
Don has had to realize his mistakes and he's going to call you. And he called and we, we talked and he's going, ah, look, I've made some mistakes with you. You know, I, in order to motivate you, I thought if I did this, this, and this, it would pull you out of, you know, make you a little more adult or whatever. And I understood what he was talking about. I, yeah. I did. Uh, I had an enormous amount of respect for his discipline. Yeah. And before Don started creating the Bluth look, which was really fucking weird to me, you know, it was, it was like, it was like some weird Saturday morning milk call stuff. I, I, are you talking like Xanadu and secret of them? Everything after the secret name, the secret so, sort of felt like a Disney film to me. It, it did to me as well. I mean, I, I thought after that yeah. became potato chip tongues and, you know, so, so it was like Dragon's Lair and Space Ace to me were leaning more towards Saturday morning issue. You know, and it yeah, had to the, be it had to be from a from a cost standpoint. Right. I, I understood and loved the the space ace and dragon's lair uh designs all that that was fun yeah you know that 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 was a different animal i i worked on those by the way yeah i i worked i worked on space uh dragon's lair and space ace it was my first job in the industry yeah remember uh, you and, and yorn and yeah, there was a whole bunch of us. We were in Wendell the annex. Luby, Wendell Luby and yeah, we were in the annex, yeah, uh, yeah, like a block block away, where they were casting uh, adult films in the in the yeah. office across from us. Right, <laughs> and, right. You know, uh, and, and after those pictures, that's when I got hired at Disney, and I went on to Black Cauldron. But uh, but it was only because at the end of Space Ace, the the Don Blue Studio collapsed financially. Remember that? Yeah. Well, the the <laughs> The, the whole thing with the we were staying afloat during the during the, the, the strike and the when I had gone, we, we were like eight months into the strike and and it was okay, yeah, something like that. And. And we lost the budget for uh, east of the sun, west of the moon. Right, which was the feature he wanted to do after Nim, right? Right. And so, um, yeah, and so when the games were over, we went into nothing. And that's when I went to Japan. And uh, Well, I I mean, you must have been there when Don had that meeting in the parking lot behind the building with the blue roof tiles in Studio City and, and basically said, we have no more money. We're shutting down production. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I was in the parking lot, too. <laughs> yeah. And I had just bought my house. And that, so, that had to have been scary. Oh, man. I mean, I my gas was turned off. My electricity was turned off. My phone was taken away. Um, everything, everything fell apart. And it, and I don't know how I how how I survived it. I mean, I, I, I was like, I was making high class, like super expensive looking teddy bears. Yeah. With German growlers and glass eyes and carved claws. And, and so I was selling them to uh, stores in, in Beverly Hills mm-hmm. just to keep my house. Wow. 
and which was almost impossible. I was I was failing. Yeah, I was holding on, but I was I had lasted eight months and and it was just I, I was I wasn't able to sell any more of them. And it was just like I was like I I had killed that small market. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many I made, but I but I was doing it. And I went to this Japanese company that had opened up an office and I said, Hey, I want to work for you. And, and they went, Oh, great. Would you be willing to go to Japan if you had to, you don't have to go now, but I mean, if we needed you, would you go? Yes. I was going to do anything to, to whatever you needed to do to get a paycheck and keep your house. Exactly. And so I ended up going to Japan Working first, I worked there. Developed Skip and I developed the Mighty Orbots in L.A. We then that went to Japan, and then we were going to go over and work on Little Nemo. Yeah, directed by Andy Gaskell, which who we knew. Randy Cartwright had gone over to work on it, and, and this is, and 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 he went because of the strike, right? Yes. Yeah, everybody was who was out of work essentially. Even Roger Allers, I might have was maybe or there was a couple people. Yeah, yeah. And and so, but while we went over there, they on during the plane flight over, Andy got fired, so the whole thing got put on hold. So so they put me on. They put us on the Mighty Orbots, which we didn't want to work on. We developed it, but we didn't want to work on it. Mm You know, it was like it was it was the original Transformers. Right. Right. And um, although it doesn't get any credit for that, uh, it was by definitely long years before Transformers. And so. Um, so I I was not, not really digging what I was doing there, you know, it was like, yeah, oh, right, I'm keeping my house. That's great. I'll do this. I'll do whatever I have to do. But. I I wasn't happy. Then I get the phone call. Don and I had a conversation. I'm like, going, eh, I mean, hell, Spielberg, Spielberg, you know, and that that was it had some pull. Sure. So I came back to work on American Tale. And maybe I lasted about six months on it. I was doing the. It was an Irish mouse telling a story how the cat had taken away his his bride to be. And he's singing this song and he's walking through the boat telling his story. And it's this the it, it's like it was this insanely thick scene, really long, with a pan, with a couple hundred characters in the background all listening to the story. And it was a it was a killer. Yeah. But it was the best scene I'd ever done in my life because it was all by itself. It was like this one time character. I could draw it how I wanted to. I had it was the best thing I had ever done. Everybody loved it. Don loved it. All of a sudden, whoa, this is great. It goes to cleanup. So I go the next morning. I go to into cleanup to see who is going to be cleaning up my scene. And this this girl, Sylvia, I come around to her desk and she's on the last couple drawings and she's got a needed eraser and she's e- erasing the drawings. I'm going, 
Oh, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm erasing the, the, the blue line. I'm, I'm going to clean this up. And I said, well, if you're erasing the line, the drawing, how do you, how do you know what to draw? How do you know what to, where, where, what are you cleaning up? Oh, I go by the indent in the paper. What? what? And I'm like going, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh my. And I, I started, I lost it. I started tipping over desks. I lost it. Don Bluth comes down and he goes, what the hell? What are you doing? I said, look what she did to my scene. And he's, and, and so now he's, now, now he's like, now, now he's going to, now he's going to yell at me because I've lost my cool. Wow. And he's like, he's going, do you realize what you've done to her? I'm going, do you realize what she did to my scene? It's gone. It's, 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 it's gone. Man. And, and he's just, he gets up, he walks out, John Pomeroy comes down. And he's like going, what the hell? What are you doing? And I, I explained the whole thing to him. And he's going, I don't know, man. He goes, uh, he, he goes, you just don't seem to be happier. You know, and I'm like going, would you? I'm ready to kill her. You know, it's like I'm I'm ready to quit animation. How long and, did it how long did it take you to do that scene to start with? Oh, man. I mean, you had to have been working on it. Sounds like for you know a couple of months, probably three weeks. All right, three weeks. Yeah, we had to do a lot there. Compared right. to Disney, we we had to do it. What we did at Disney was way more than. I mean, what we did at Bluth was way more than what we did at Disney. On way a week on, on a weekly basis, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, because there's like, you know, those films are done with like six animators. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, and so John kind of, in order to like snap me into gear, he goes, well, maybe it's just better. You're not here. Yeah. And what'd you say? And I'm like, going, yeah, I know he, he gets up, he walks out. I call up Kent holiday and said, Hey, bring your truck over here. Cause the desk that I had in my room was my desk. Right. And I put everything in a neat little pile. This is the same way I left Disney. Yeah. Just put my desk in because at Disney, I, I, the desk I had at Disney was my own. Right. And, okay. uh, and so I had Kent Holiday come. We moved it out. Next thing I know, John Pomeroy's called me, goes, um, where, where, where'd you move to? Where's your desk? Said, it's right here in my house. And he's going, what do you mean? I said, well, you, you said obviously it's it's probably better that I'm not even there, and I agree with you. And so I'm not there. I'm done. You know, you know. Everybody told me it's like, oh, come back, come back. Don's going to treat you different. Bullshit. And so I went, I went, I went to Ralph Bakshi, came in and handed him my tape, and he's going, puts the tape in, looks at, it, and he's going, oh, yeah, that's good stuff, and. And, and he's going, why, why do you want to care? And I said, ah, because fucking uh, Tom Bluth. Uh, and I just went on. He's like, going, hey, you got the job. Relax. Well, now, was that on American Pop or what, what no, film that was that? Was, uh, they had just done the video for the Rolling Stones. Oh, OK, OK. 
the John uh, the John Chris Felucci uh, uh, video. Got it. And they were going to try to develop. They wanted to develop this film called Bobby's Girl. Okay. Which was kind of cool. And so I went to work on that. And then Ralph ran out of money. And then I ended up going back to Disney. On Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I went to I went back to Disney and said, hey, is it possible for me to do freelance for you guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come on in. We'll can bring your latest stuff. We'd like to see what you've been doing. And because it had been a couple of years, you know, since we were there. Yeah. yeah. So, so I ended up uh, bringing my stuff over, showing them what I did, and they, and they hired me. So I said, okay, uh, come back on Monday and, you know, we'll give you a scene, whatever. And um, some, I left, came back and they said, okay, um, this, they introduced me to some people and they said, uh, okay, we're going to have you go on this orientation thing. And they, we do that with all new employees. And so I did that. And then they brought me back and said, all right, and here's your room. And I'm going, wait a minute, these guys, have, they've hired me back. Yeah, they hired you. I, I didn't. I thought I was picking up a scene. And I'm going. Wow! I I can't believe that they're hiring me back. I mean, I burnt a bridge with gas. <laughs> you know. Also, too, don't don't forget that I that Ron Miller w- almost killed me in front of the studio. In his <laughs> he almost ran you down uh, during the strike. He, during the strike, because I had a sign that said "Ron equals football." <laughs> now i i did that because he was a friend of mine and i love that guy he was great but he is why we lost our budget because when the union was negotiating uh about and about inca paint going to korea disney and all of us we were all on the same side but they failed he failed to to sign the agreement or whatever that whatever they came up with, they were holding back on signing the contract because he knew it was making us lose our budget. And we lost our budget because of Ron Miller. And you now know, that was for the uh, sun west of the moon. Yeah. East of the sun, west of the moon picture. So I, I had that history with him. So Ron Miller was was pulling out of the studio and I stopped him with this thing me and Sean Keller and Sean <laughs> Keller was working there. <laughs> and Ron Miller sat up on the, the seat of his car. Cause he was in a convertible and he's like going, if I was half your size, I would get out of this car and I would kick your ass. And then he sat down the thing and floored it. <laughs> I jumped out of the way and Sean Keller rolled back onto his back to get away from the car. And, and he fishtailed it out into the, into the. Onto Buena Vista. Yeah. And, yeah. and all of a sudden I'm like going, Oh, this was a bad idea. And so the idea that I was coming back, but see, he had let. He was already gone. He was gone by the time they were. Everybody was glad he was gone. Yeah. Yeah. And so I came back. Oh, you're the guy that uh, did the the Ron equals football sign. Oh, man, that was great. (laughs) You know, so I came back a hero in a way. Uh, And which was like really, really bizarre, you know. You know, Dave, I think because we're bumping up against time again, I think this is a good place for us to break. 
because I, I really want to get into the work you did on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I don't want to rush through it. So if if it's okay with you, I want to have you back for a third episode. Is that all right? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man, because uh, it's just been so great hearing you recount some of these stories and and a lot of these animation legends that you worked with. And and so I would say I really appreciate you being on the Skull Rock podcast, and we're going to have you back again next week right here on the Skull Rock podcast. Thanks, Dave. Sounds good. Your attention, please. <laughs> now loading on track number one. For a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney. All right, Dave. Wow. You mean to tell me there's another interview with Dave Spafford on the horizon? Oh, yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, honestly, I love talking with Dave. He's such an interesting guy, incredibly talented artist, and he's just got some great stories. He's just got a different viewpoint on things and a different take on things. And I, I'm just looking forward to next week's part three. Um, and after that, we're going to have four and five. I, I honestly, you know, it's it, it, and we're going to touch on things outside of the realm of animation. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about some of his parties uh that he used to have on friday <laughs> nights and uh and his music and yep. uh just you know really uh delve into him a little bit more what a great guy what a great guy i want to say what a great dude because he really is <laughs> he he's is. a dude i love it so if you love this interview you love disney you love pop culture be sure to subscribe thank you so much for tuning in till the very end uh, spread the word about us through social media as well. We'd love for you to do that, right? You can follow us on all of our social media links, Facebook, X, slash Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Be sure to visit our site as well. We have a huge archive of shows with all kinds of great filmmakers and musicians and writers. So please check that out. Email us, if you will, Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljohn at SkullRockPodcast.com. And be sure to leave us those five-star reviews. Every single bit helps the platform, helps the podcast. Dave, you've got the final word and so many things that are happening in the world of Dave Bossert these days. <laughs> well, uh, you know, once again, I want to uh, let people know that I have a brand new author website, uh, davidbossert.com. Check it out. Um, you know, poke around in there. Let me know if you see anything that's uh, not working. You can shoot me a, a note on social media or an email. Um, I also want to mention, if you're interested in any of my books, you get signed author copies uh, from theoldmillpress.com. Uh, and we're coming up on Labor Day weekend, the traditional end of summer, yes. Al John. Oh, I so it. I, I want to tell people, go out and have a fantastic week. Enjoy this what I think is sort of the last week of summer, you know, I've always associated Labor Day as the end of summer, even though we know summer doesn't end until sometime in September or whatever. <laughs> but but to me, this is sort of the traditional end of summer. Uh, but go out and have a fantastic week. Be good to one another. And we'll see you again next Monday right here on the Skull Rock Podcast. I'm Al John Goh, co-host of the Disney List podcast as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock podcast, here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel 
vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times. So they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney? They can contact me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com. The Skull Rock Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support the show with a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes, please visit anchor.fm and click the listener support link. We'd like to thank Lindsay, Spencer, and Joshua. Thank you for supporting Skull Rock Podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, please email us skullrockpodcast at gmail.com for details.